We are Centerpoint Church. This is a recent recording from our Sunday morning gathering. We hope you can join us at the Odeon Cinema in Guildford, Sundays at 10 a.m. Enjoy the message. What a great video, hey? I recognise that Joseph may not have had social media back then, but hey, it's good anyway. In um, the first five years of my life, I used to um, live in a place called um, Kinshasa, and Kinshasa is a, is a capital city, there it is, in a place called the Democratic Republic of Congo. In fact, there's two Congos, one, the capital Brazzaville is of one, and the, the real Congo, which is my one, is Kinshasa. And um, so, yeah, so that's in Congo, and Congo, DR Congo is in sort of Midwest Africa. I remember my school, I remember my friends, I remember my home, I remember my pets, and uh, of course I remember my family. I lived with my parents and three siblings. I've got one older sister and two younger brothers. My mum, who's um, from Britain, she's from the UK, um, she was out there for about 18 years when, uh, so she was a single woman out there, and she, while she was there, after about 18 years, she met my dad, and they married. And she would spend time helping the poor, this is her, often living out of the sticks with no or intermittent electricity. She got used to the diet out there in the villages of something called fufu and sakasaka, which is kind of like a stodgy potato mash and a kind of grass soup. Um, it's great. <laughs> Sometimes she would even be treated to things like fish heads with the eyes still in it. A bit like I'm a celebrity. She's, she's done it all. It's all good. Once married, she moved to the city to raise her family. And whilst um, we were there, a large military coup was forming, which put the whole region under real immense pressure and tension. And one evening, two soldiers actually came to our house and... Um, they, they wanted to take as many possessions as, and, as, and goods as were possible. But fortunately, my dad, who was, a, who was a native citizen, was able to convince them that we had inherited the home and we didn't really have anything of value. And they seemed to buy this, but they ensured that we knew who was boss by shooting our dogs on their way off. Over the next few weeks, it all grew worse and worse and we were evacuated back to, well, to England. Uh, again, we had very little, one suitcase of clothes for our whole family, no jobs, no home to go to. We always thought that we would go back, actually, to Africa, but it was never possible to do so. And so we ended up settling in the UK and in the sort of south of the UK. My parents found jobs and work. And in fact, we, grown up, we like, earned more than what we'd ever done, ever, back in the Congo. But we still seem to have very little. Like, I'll be like, come on, I'm, you're earning money. Buy me some new sneakers, you know. And uh, we, we didn't really have much. And many years later, I'd ask my mum, what, what's that all about? And she said that every month she would send back money back to, back to Africa to help those who were kind of left behind there. And I would say, but mum, why on earth would you do that? You gave like 18 years of your life serving out there. Why would you do that? You've given enough. And she would say, because Jesus has given me much more than I could ever give them, surely that's the least that I could do. And I'd be like, what? Jesus? What's this Jesus got to do with this? This little baby that was born in the manger, did he ever even exist? You know, at this Christmas time, in this season of coming to celebrate, giving each other gifts, is Jesus' birth really one of them? 
Is it even true? Or is it just like this tooth fairy? And even if it is true, what difference does it make? Is there a case for Christmas? And even if there is, what difference would that make? Well, um, these are the kind of the two questions that I'll kind of want to answer briefly this morning as we look at this Christmas story. It's so good to have heard those readings and seen those videos about something like what it would have been like for Joseph and Mary. And uh, you see, we travelled on a plane back to the UK out of extreme circumstances. Many people travel for all sorts of reasons, and you might have travelled from far even here today. Um, and I don't know if you noticed, but in the Christmas story, everyone seems to travel from the shepherds to the wise men to Mary and Joseph even themselves. As, as it were, they all went on a journey. They packed their suitcases and travelled. And uh, for my mum and uh, I guess for, for, for many people, you start off a journey because there's a logical reason to do so and you, you get to the end. And uh, many people do things all around the world because Jesus has made a difference in their lives. And today I want to have a look. If Jesus is really true, can he make a difference? Can there be a case for Christmas? And so we're going to briefly look at the wise men and the shepherds, and then we're going to look at Mary and Joseph as well. So let's do that. Let's talk about the wise men. In Matthew 2, we're introduced to a group of people called the Magi, and that's wise men. Often people think that it was three men because they brought with them three gifts, but we're not actually told how many wise men it was. What we do know is that these wise men were scientifically minded. They studied the stars, and they were rational thinkers. They, they weren't religious, and they had no religious bias, but they were all well-read. And they knew something of some of the ancient Jewish scriptures, which spoke of a king that was to be born. So they see a star, and having interpreted that, along with other ancient writings, that they know that this star means that a king is going to be born. So they didn't just believe that it was, but they took a scientific, historical, logical approach to finding out if it was true. They saw a star in the sky, and they knew that to be a sign. And so, quite rightly and logically, where did they go? They went to the palace, because, you know, that's where kings are born. And they went to King Herod, and uh, King Herod, they said, where is the one who was born king of the Jews? That's why they asked him. And uh, we saw his star, we've come to worship him, and as it turns out, Herod isn't aware that he's had a baby. He's unaware of that. So he asked the wise men to go and check it out. And so they do. The wise men, they head down to Bethlehem and lo and behold, there's this baby born in a manger. What I find really interesting is that they wouldn't have been Jewish themselves. They wouldn't have had any need for a saviour themselves. They wouldn't be naturally religious or anything like that. And yet we find that these wise men end up bowing down in a stinky stable, declaring this baby a king and presenting him gifts. That's just remarkable that they would do that. These wise men, they knew a little about these ancient documents and what they had to say about the king. They then went and researched and studied and explored and they ended up bowing down to Jesus. For them, it was a rational journey. You know, you might also have heard a little bit about this story of Jesus being born 2,000 years ago. You might even wonder, is it really true? Well, let me tell you that you can take the same approach as the wise men did. 
You can read the Bible that speaks about Jesus. You can take a logical approach to researching the claims that Jesus made and what he did in his life. You can come at it with no prejudice or preconditioned bias towards religion and you can rationally find it all to be true. The wise men, they didn't let the appearance of the stable and the trowel to fool them. In fact, their, their scientific approach plus their rational thinking minus their religious bias led them bowing down to the king, worshipping him, opening up their treasures and giving him gifts. For them, bowing down to Jesus and presenting him gifts wasn't just about chucking out all rational thoughts and having blind faith. No, for them, it was a logical process based on the evidence that they saw. And so my question is, what about you? See, they believed him to be true. They bowed down to him. My mum believed him to be true and lived for him. Still does. And I believe him to be true and I love to speak about him. What about you? What, what can you over this next year, 2019, what, how, what approach can you take to finding out more about Jesus? And you might be thinking, okay, well, let's say that he, he really was born. But does he make a difference? Well, let's look at the shepherds. See, the shepherds, it wasn't just you know, the wise men that travelled that Christmas, it was the shepherds too. And these shepherds, they were very different to the wise men because they weren't schooled. They were ordinary men. They didn't have an education. They didn't study astrology. They didn't have telescopes and look at the stars. But they still ended up in the same place, bowing down to Jesus. In Luke chapter 2, we are told that they were minding their own business and watching over their sheep when the angels appear to them and says, Do not be afraid, because I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. The message that this angel had for the shepherds, it was kind of like threefold. First of all, that it's good news, it's not bad that it will bring great joy, not fear and, and anxiety or stress, but it will bring joy, and that it's not just for a few people, but it's for everyone. And I wonder what they thought when they turned up. I mean, they could have felt really, really out of place. For a start, these wise men, the wise men, they had got gifts with them. The shepherds didn't. Um, but there's no, there's no suggestion that the shepherds had gifts. And at the very first Christmas, coming to celebrate and see this baby Jesus that was poor and rich, there was highly educated, there was poorly educated. There was uh, completely different statuses and ends of the spectrum in that sense. Everyone is welcome. Jesus is good news to everyone. And this Christmas, as we come together, as we travel all over the place to see family and friends, it's good to be reminded that this Jesus is one who welcomes everyone to him. Jesus is inclusive. And uh, I remember, again, coming, again, coming to, the, to the UK and feeling exactly the same sense, being, being included, being welcomed, being, even though we were like refugees, being, being brought in. Uh, I remember when we first arrived, the church that we were part of, that, that we started going to, they, they all brought around food and blankets. We had nothing. You know, they brought around beds and cupboards and, and things to help us when we moved in. Today, like the shepherds 2,000 years ago, you might feel a little bit uncomfortable you might feel out of place. But the words from the angel are the same for you today. Don't be afraid. It's good news. It causes great joy. And it's for everyone, and that includes you. So whoever you are, whatever background you're from, you can know more about Jesus. He welcomes you into, uh, into his presence. In fact, uh, Coming up on Sunday, the 6th of Jan, we're going to have a testimony Sunday. And I'd love to invite you to this because this, on this uh, morning, what we're going to do is we're going to hear about people from our church 
who have experienced God in some way over the last year. And so they're going to come and share that one after the other, just to, to say, hey, look, this Jesus, this baby born in a manger 2,000 years, he's still alive. He's making a difference in my life. And I'd love you to come and, and hear those and hear all, all that he's doing today, not just about what he's doing uh, 2,000 years ago. You know, at the, very first people, at the very first Christmas, all these people, they pack their suitcases, they travel to see Jesus, to see this very special baby. And what's nuts is that at the very middle of this story, at the heart of this story, there's this couple, a couple that had just given birth. I mean, imagine that, just giving birth. And they didn't have, you know, social media like the video says. But what that video did express is something of the anxiety, the trouble, the complexity of the relationship that they were going through um, as they approached this scene of Jesus arriving. And let's just picture the scene, because it's not like a fairy tale story, like the two fairy. This happened, there's historical evidence for it. Let's picture that. Mary and Joseph, because it was a nightmare. I mean, a proper nightmare of a childbirth story. And I don't know if you've ever taken the time to notice all the individual things that happen in it. So they're engaged, right? They're not married, they're engaged. And they find out that she's pregnant. Now, that's like tough news now. But back then, it was a major social faux pas. To be pregnant before you're even married is like proper no-go territory. And uh, it, wasn't, it just wasn't okay for you to sleep with your fiancé fiance back then, let alone get her pregnant. It was absolutely scandalous. And so Joseph, um, not only did he, did he um, see that she was pregnant, he was claiming that he hadn't even slept with her. And he was saying, hey... I don't know what's going on, because I, I haven't slept with her, and he knew it wasn't his. And so he's a gentleman, and what he tries to do is he tries to separate with her quietly, because he doesn't want to bring shame on her. So he wants to separate from her, so that she can go and get with the guy that she slept with. And uh, that's what he tries to do. But then an angel visits him, and says, no, 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 it's okay. She hasn't cheated on you. Like, she was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Wow. I mean, that's remarkable in itself. But then, right when she's heavenly pregnant, we find that Caesar Augustus sends out this decree that everyone's got to be registered in their place of birth. And for Mary and Joseph, this would have meant about a 100-mile journey. Uh, roughly 10 days riding on donkey. It's the equivalent of going from here to Bristol or here to Leicester or here to Ipswich. And can you just imagine that, that journey? Like 10 days when you're heavily pregnant. They, they manage to get there, but then there's no room at the inn. All the beds are taken. Well, what's that about? Has everyone got there first? Maybe. It might also be that um, this is Joseph's hometown. That's where they had to go. Everyone would have heard about this scandalous pregnancy. And as Joseph and Mary turn up and they go to all their relatives, all the people they know, all their relatives are saying, oh, no, you're not coming in here. I'm not bringing, I'm not having that shame brought on my family. There's no room here. There's no room here. 